Dive in. Windsor. Ascot. Maidenhead. Bracknell. Wokingham. Henley. Reading. The voice. River Radio. Of the Thames Valley. Welcome to today's show, Let's Do Lunch with me, Jenny Tishy. I am a nutritionist and an absolute foodie, and this show is all about food and nutrition, and we welcome a a whole range of guests onto this show, anyone from a food photographer to Olympic athletes to fellow chefs and cookbook authors. But today I am actually joined by, as this is taking a slightly different tact, we're joined by Joe Hall, who is a professional home organiser. And of course, that includes kitchens, one of the most used rooms in an entire house. So that's the reason I've invited Joe to join us on the podcast. I've wanted to quiz you for a long time, Joe, about how to keep the kitchen in tip-top shape, how to keep it organised, how to keep it tidy. But let's just start off. How are you today, Joe? Hi, Jenny. Thanks very much for inviting me onto the show. I am very well. I'm getting over a bit of a cough and a cold, so I hope that I'm not going to be coughing and spluttering my way through today. I will do my best. Good. Right. Well, we're going to kick off with the obvious question. What is a professional home organiser? Okay, a professional home organiser is somebody who coaches you to be clutter-free, but more than that, helps you to make the absolute best use of the space, either the living and or or just working space you have available. And so I have to ask, I mean, this is a brilliant thing to have, and it's become quite a popular concept, hasn't it? Um, From your perspective, why is it so popular now as a concept to keep not only homes tidy, which I think has been a concept for a long time, but to make the absolute most of the space we have? Mm, I think there are a few reasons there. I think one is that um, people just have so much stuff these days. I think we are the generation of peak stuff. I think the second thing is that people are just so busy juggling so many aspects of their lives um, and dare I say it particularly women mm-hmm. um, who are you know looking after kids um, working and generally taking the leading role in managing the home. It's statistically proven isn't it mm. even you know if you've got two people in a home uh, two different genders working uh, to the same degree often yeah. a lot of the home work ends up falling yeah. to one rather than the other and it's often the female so it we know that to be yeah, the case. It is we? I mean I don't want to generalise and you know bless them men are taking on more and more roles within the home and particularly things like cooking which is, yeah. is fantastic to see. Um, I think the other thing is we are spending much more time in our homes these days and we certainly were during the COVID pandemic. And, um, you know, with people working from home, again, there's even more pressure to maximise that space, uh, make it work for you, but also make it a sanctuary that actually people are able to relax in. 
I love that idea. I think that's really key here, isn't it? It's about how it makes you feel to be in a space. Um, so tell us a little bit about how you got to do what you do today. I'm sure it's fascinating that you are, I mean, you are so passionate about it, which is wonderful. And obviously it's great to be in a profession that you're passionate about. So how did you beget? beget? How did you get so passionate? How did you know that this even existed? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's not something, obviously, I didn't, you know, wasn't at school thinking, oh, I really want to be a declutter and organiser. Um, and I certainly wasn't sort of, you know, pushed down that route. I also, you know, worked um, in a corporate kind of environment. I did business studies and marketing for my degree. So it is quite a change for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I come from um, a service background. I moved around a lot as a child. And my mother um, was very, very good at kind of, you know, setting up home wherever we were. Mm -hmm. And I think that really rubbed off on me. Um, Then I, um, well, since I've been married, I've been married 22 years. And in that time, we've lived in seven different homes. Oh, wow. In three different countries. Followed your upbringing in a way. And that's just to do with where work has taken you as a family? Yeah, absolutely. So again, you know, I've, I've, I'm very, very good at um, sort of, you know, landing up somewhere and setting up home. Um, And then sort of added on to that, my husband and I both have a real interest in architecture, um, in design and how spaces are used. Um, And actually, when we lived in Austria, we were lucky enough to be in the position to build a house. Wow, exciting. So, you know, that was thinking about use of space right from the ground up. Was that hard or was that exciting because having the mind that you have you thought well this is a blank canvas yeah absolutely and we actually um we really took our time over it and we spent a really long time working with our architect about how we wanted to live as a family Mm. Um, and only then you know started the whole building process so you know I think sometimes people kind of rush into it but it really is something well worth taking the time over. Do you find that that's one thing you know if people are building a new home or even if they're moving into a home and they're redoing the kitchen for example that they make sort of um, assumptions about usage of a kitchen is that something you've seen in your work? Yeah I think they make assumptions and I think also um, you know people are quite influenced by seeing other people's kitchens but you know every family is different and everybody ha- you know every family has different needs mm. and I think it's really well worth taking the time to think about how you're going to use that fam- um, use that kitchen as you as a family it is quite a communal space mm. isn't it I mean even if I think about how I mean even growing up I'm the youngest of seven children and we grew up in a Victorian house so it has mm. a galley kitchen and I just I just yeah, remember yeah. so clearly if you wanted mum's attention and mum worked full time but if you wanted mum's attention you'd go into the kitchen you would sit with your stand with your back to either the dishwasher or to the sink and you'd literally move every time yeah. she needed it was yeah, like yeah. some sort of ballet dance you'd just move <laughs> as she needed you to move mm. and I feel like you know you were saying about you replicating your child I feel like I've just done that in our we're in a Victorian house we're in a galley mm. kitchen I haven't got seven children <laughs> goodness but still it's that kind of everyone just moves around yeah. the kitchen but it could be better mm-hmm. and I think you know the way in which galley kitchen even the fact they have a name is that it's fairly standard the way yeah. that they're designed but wouldn't it be better if we could put them in a position that suited a family's yeah, needs absolutely and you know that brings me on to say it's not just about more space yes it's about the clever use of space because I think that's the other mistake that people make mm. they think that they need more space whereas actually the reality is you could actually probably be using that space a lot better it's, so it, I have yeah. to ask you a question you move from place to place to place is there any 
item or a, something that you own that has come with you throughout every single move? Or are you quite brutal oh about, you know, shedding unnecessary things and you move from place to place? Um, definitely um, very good these days at, at, um, at kind of, you, you know, getting rid of the things we don't need. I'm trying to think. I'm sure that we have st- some things that, you know, we were given as wedding gifts mm. um, that we've still got. Um thinking you know cutlery that sort of thing but not um I suppose not really not really sentimental kitchen items the only kitchen items that are kind of more sentimental and I wouldn't let go are the things that perhaps have come from my parents house Mm. that I've then swapped in for more modern things so I've let the more modern things go and kept the kind of old favorites that's nice Mm. I like that idea I think that's a wonderful there's a kitchenalia they call it don't they and you know it's interesting you just saying that I mean I'm just thinking about that from our perspective as well you know gifts they're a mm. tough subject right because oh, very. back in the day we've been married slightly less long than you guys have but it was a very normal thing mm. to put this wedding gift list mm. out and you put on items when you are uh, f- for us it was that we you know we reasonably young and we didn't have any kids and we were living this sort of you know both of us would sort of dual incomes uh of similar levels and we just I don't know what we're thinking really mm. but we have all of these this stuff and we don't use it and it sits in a I cupboard know, because we think we should have it our yes. parents had it and therefore we think we should have it or yeah. you know we think we're going to use it or it seems like a great idea but actually the reality is <laughs> some of those things are completely useless. and I can think of one I mean for us personally um and I don't know this might be something that you use but we had um, a rice steamer on our wedding list you know quite a big one mm. and I would say that at first we did use it but then over the years we actually just decided that making rice in a pan was just as easy and you know it sat in the cupboard mm. and actually something like that is quite bulky it really is um, so I gave it to my sister it's got her cupboard instead it's a tough one though isn't it mm. so like is there a sort of process that one should go through when gifted an item if you I mean if you're looking at it even when you're gifted it and you think you're never going to use it mm. is there a process that we can go through to ascertain whether it should be a go or a keep mm. I think it kind of goes one step before that I think we have to become very very clear about what we do and don't want to receive as gifts Mm. and we actually have to verbalize that and I'm not sure that's something that the British are necessarily very good at agreed Um, but the fact is you know if we don't want this stuff then we have a bit of a responsibility to let people know that that you know we'd rather go out for lunch or you know we'd rather that they took the kids to a theme park or whatever than than gave another gift Um, if you are given something I think you have to remember that the choosing of a gift, um, it means a lot to the person. They love to go out and choose mm. something for you. Um, but once it's been given to you, it's then yours to do whatever with, you know, that you want to. And as long as you thank them, you know, greatly for it. Um, and after that, see how it goes, you know, perhaps use it for a couple of months. But after that, if it's really not something you want, then, you know, don't feel bad about letting it go. Because the fact is somebody, it might be just what somebody else is looking for. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know, I I get sent things as a sort of influencer and I don't always need them. And I'm always amazed at how quickly they get snapped up. I put them on free cycle or, or whatever, but it's wonderful to be able to give away something. I think it's when it's been given as a personal gift by someone to your point, when someone spent so long choosing it, there's this sort of guilt factor associated. Maybe the next generation will be better. I, I know think that so. our kids are quite mm. good at asking for money rather yeah. than presents when it comes to birthdays. I think so. I think there are a lot of things around this whole clutter scenario that 
is quite particular to our kind of generation. Mm. And so kitchens, do they, Mm. in your opinion, are they one of the most cluttered areas of the house? They are, definitely. I would say it's um, between kitchens and wardrobes. But kitchens are definitely one of the areas that um, I, I spend a lot of time in. Yeah. Because everybody in the house uses them every in some sort of a way. And also, they tend to kind of be the hub of the house. They do. And by nature of that, they become the dumping ground quite yeah. easily. I suppose if you're spending a lot of time in there, and, and everyone needs to eat, and often it's going to be multiple times a day. Mm. And certainly, you know, as in our family, as the children have become more independent and self-sufficient, they to do their own thing at their own time it's not was the most convenient time even my husband and I will find ourselves you know battling to use a surface at, at times so it can you can see how it easily becomes mm. cluttered so um I mean without giving away too much you know what's the worst scenario you've ever been faced with in a kitchen is there has there been some horror stories that you've come across or well I think it's just not being able to you know see the kitchen surfaces um wow. you know people just not being able to use them mm. um because more and more has you know become and it's not just because it's not just the kitchen items that end up there. It seems to be, you know, everybody leaves things en route to everywhere else in the house, meaning yeah. to come back and, you know, collect them. But unless you stay on top of it, it doesn't happen. Wow. Yeah, of course. I mean, it makes sense, doesn't it? I so say, where do you stand on things like um, kitchen appliances? Obviously, I write recipe books for kitchen mm. appliances. We have, uh, well, at least one air fryer, often two out on a surface. Mm. You know, we have a food processor. We have a, a one pot instant pot. Like, well, how do you manage stuff like that? when you want to use it on a daily basis you don't want to have to be carrying it lifting it all the time Mm. well I think I mean what you've said there about daily basis Mm. I think that's the thing that makes a difference because you may well be using all those things on a daily basis because that's that's what you do Mm. but I actually think the majority of people um, probably aren't using all these things on a daily basis they just stay there yeah they just Mm. stay there because they don't put them away so I mean my guideline would be if if you're not using something, you know, one of these appliances at least a couple of times a week, mm. then it should be going away. Okay. So if you're not using your rice cooker or your air fryer or your instant pot at least twice a week. Give it to your sister. Well, no. either give it to your sister or put it or, you know, find a permanent home for it. Yeah. You know, dedicate a space to it. If you don't dedicate a space to it, it will stay out on the work surfaces. It's so easily done as well. I mean, whilst I use mine every day, every time I've been to my parents' house recently, there's a, a juicer that I gave mm. my mum and she said, I don't even notice it anymore. So she's not even using oh, it. No. It's just there. And I said, yeah. well, that's a whole space in your yeah. kitchen that you I mean probably filling with yeah, more clutter absolutely. but you know and then the you know the, the danger is that if things do get put in cupboards then they get forgotten mm. um so what I say to people when when I go to their house and they've got an ice cream maker in the back of their cupboard and they say oh should I get rid of it and I said well you know if you're not going to use it then yes mm. but why don't you actually bring it out set yourself a time limit of two weeks try it see if you actually like using an ice cream maker and if you don't then that is the point to let it go but don't put it back in your cupboard yeah I like that so it's almost like a process around the decision making that's really and so what, what would you say are the biggest culprits for um, surface clutter in a kitchen um, bread makers that people don't use you know, bread makers those kind wow. of things you know that that people think is a great idea I mean, we do. That is one thing that we do use. We do use our bread maker. And I would say that we probably use it a couple of times a week. We still put it away, though. 
Yeah, so you get it out, use it for its yeah. purpose, and then and pop then it, away. it away. So there's a discipline around this, isn't mm. there? There's some sort of golden rules that we need mm. to be following. So appliances, the rules are, unless you're using it more than twice a week, you yeah. think, you know, pop it for away. For me, but, you know, mm. everybody's different. Mm. But I like my surfaces clear. Yeah. And if that's your aim, then that's the sort of um, kind of guideline I would work with. Yeah. But your point at the very beginning is how a kitchen makes you feel. And there are a lot of people um, that perhaps don't notice clutter but definitely feel it if you know Mm. what I mean they can't see it for what it is but they feel that something's not right would you say that's one of the primary drivers for people coming to you yeah I think it's um general overwhelm Mm. because of all the stuff being around but I also think when it comes to kitchens it's it's things like um you know, they're, they're getting stressed about what to cook mm. because they walk into their kitchen, the surfaces are all cluttered, they open their cupboards, you know, the stuff's tumbling out, yeah. they open their fridge, they can't see what's in there. Mm. And that leads to, you know, feelings of stress towards me- meal planning, particularly if you are cooking um, for a family, but also it has the implications on healthy eating yeah. because people are more likely to just shut the door again yeah. and order a pizza or, or you know, top pop to Sainsbury's and buy uh, a packaged pizza and food waste I'd imagine food waste absolutely Um, there must be if you can't see what's in your fridge or if you don't know what's in your freezer totally then you will end up wasting food I mean do you recommend that people sort of do I know I do this from time to time I have like a sort of freezer drive where I have to get rid of everything Mm. in the freezer before I can put anything back in Mm. there is that the sort of one of the processes that you would recommend yeah definitely a good starting point is is, you know to go everything go through everything and make a plan to use things up yeah good idea it's almost like a mindset thing yeah so we talked about people um having a feeling of sort of clutter being a driver what other drivers are there for people coming to you for help um i think it's it's a time-saving aspect of things Mm. um which again ties into to the meal planning and the um you know shopping from a list um wanting to have that kind of reset um and do that another thing can be that you know other people in their household want to use the kitchen Mm. but actually they don't because they can't find the things Mm. um there was one um couple and when I went back to the house to do a different room the husband said oh I'm loving using the kitchen now I can find everything and she said yeah sure enough he's doing more um doing more cooking and that has to be a bonus yeah because he knew where all the implements were Mm. and yeah that you know that's part of the problem isn't it almost Mm. I do notice that when other family members empty the dishwasher they don't always put things back where they should go and I think that's because they don't use the kitchen as often as I do and I guess that's the point isn't it yeah if everybody knows where things go and everybody has equal access to where to find them when they want to prepare something yeah. if everything's ordered I mean I joke about having to put things at the very front of the fridge so people know that it's like a sort of shop window you're promoting your marketing yeah. all the time but actually if there was a way you know nothing they think oh yeah definitely <laughs> and along those lines I have like a separate um kind of container that I put um jars of leftovers and things so it's almost like an eat me first type area I love that so that that if people at home and and obviously they are working from home or or, you know my daughter's coming home from school at different times and wants to make lunch Mm. they know what needs to be eaten up so do you put that is it it sort of like you've sat down and you've had that conversation is that something Mm. how it works or you've you've labelled it how does Um, that it's not labelled but they know that it's there and it's in always in that place in the fridge and they know Mm. that that's where to look 
um, if they're wanting to make um, you know a quick lunch or something so that things do get used up and the other thing is using the glass jars so they can actually see what's in there yeah the glass um, jars so, so they're we... not having to open lids they can actually see what's there and what needs eating next and they don't have to open it smell it touch it mm-hmm. feel it yeah yeah exactly um, yeah I think you know storage is a really interesting mm. question so what are your thoughts around that how do we make things you know easy especially in the context of a family where it is about you know using up stuff first glass containers any other yeah. tips you can provide us in that area um well, i mean just on the subject of glass um containers you know they don't have to go out and buy new ones mm. i mean i literally choose the, the jars that i like best i soak the labels off and i reuse them um That's a great idea know, so people always think oh i've got to go out and buy something new if it's a new idea or i've got to go out and buy new storage whatever but no often that there are things around that we can use and the screw top jars are absolutely perfect and it means yeah. we can cut down on the cling film and, you know, things like that as well. So there are so yeah. many wins there. So actually you could make more astute purchases. So I'm thinking, for example, those great big kind of gherkin jars. Yes, exactly. I mean, they're massive, Olives, aren't gherkins. they? Yeah. 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 You could fit a lot in there yeah. and people could still see something if you were to make yeah. some, I don't know, some vegetables or something, you know, some leftovers Absolutely. even. It would just be obvious Soup's what it was, not it? perfect for, you know, in a glass, in a glass jar. And yeah. I think, you know, I'm a real one for the aesthetics as well. So yeah. I'm not using any old jar. I choose carefully, you know, which jars which lids and those are the ones I keep yeah so it can look you know it can look beautiful yeah it doesn't it can be without having to go out and buy anything new it can still look like you've almost given it a huge amount of thought yeah Yeah, and planning that's brilliant right excellent so we're going to take a brief pause but um when we come back I'm going to be asking Joe about any times that she's turned up at somebody's house and thought oh that's just too much for one person (laughs) across the Thames Valley one more time across the Thames Valley this this is River Radio well now for some pop music try this Welcome back to this show, Let's Do Lunch. This is a show all about food and nutrition. And today we're taking a slightly different slant on the whole subject by talking about kitchen organisation with Joe Hall, who is a professional home organiser. So, Joe, when you've turned up to people's homes in the past, have you ever turned up and looked at it and just thought, whoa, that is just too big a job for me? Um, no, because I do actually have people um, send me photos in advance. Good idea. Yeah. So um, I, I used to always go and visit beforehand, but I've realised that because I do work with people online anyway, mm. um, I can see from photos. Um, it's easier for them to ping a few photos over to me. So I, I know what I'm expecting. Um, having said that, generally, um, I do a kitchen declutter and organise in a four hour session. Mm-hmm. That's your kind of average size kitchen and working you know, alongside my client and working, you know, hard keeping the pace up during that time we can generally get it done Um, however there are occasions where it does take more than one session yeah even even in a kitchen so that has happened sometimes and what about um have you ever had an occasion the other extreme where you said like i don't really understand why they brought me in yes definitely um that um that has been the case on a few occasions but then when you open the cupboards you realize why yeah because there are very very um there are people who are very, very good at keeping surfaces clear, but they oh, are shoving it all <laughs> behind the cupboard doors. That's really funny. I think that would probably at times be my husband. Um, so, so what is the most common, let's call it a clutter crime committed in the kitchen? I think it's um, to do with kind of 
dried food cupboards okay and actually you know shoving all the packets in and um not keeping a track of when things need to be used mm. and then not being able to see what you've got and yeah. not going out and buying duplicates any tips for managing that like how can we keep tabs on you know when things are bought when we need to use it up by how do you manage that well, I mean, I manage that by making sure that my cupboards are organised in such a way that I can absolutely see everything that's in them very Brilliant. easily. And what about like, you know, I've started to use glass jars, for yep. example, to, to um, put, say, porridge oats or yep. some of the pulses and things in. Yep. Sometimes you buy a new packet and it doesn't quite fit yeah, in. <laughs> what do you do okay. then? And absolutely. And I have the same thing. Um, so I keep my kind of cupboards I use from day to day mm. and then a bit out of the way I have the cupboards with the you know the actual the spare bits left. Gotcha. Um, I'm trying to reduce that because I actually do um, refilling now for a lot of my dried goods. Yeah. Um, and um, and I, I, I volunteer in a refill store. So I'm trying to switch over more and more to um, refillables for the dried things. Um, but of course, there are going to be times when we buy packets. And of course, there are going to be times when those don't fit in the jar. Yeah. So I then have my um, kind of like spares cupboard. And those are, you know, in containers. And it says cereals, it says grains, it's whatever. And they're labeled and they have the actual, you know, spare bits in there. That makes sense. But um, I love the idea yeah. of the, the refill stores. Um, for those that don't know, can you just explain, you know, what they are and where you might find them? Because I think they're a really, really useful addition to all of our lives. Yeah. Can I, I mean, can I say the names? Yeah, okay, absolutely perfect. can. Yeah. Okay, so I volunteer um, at Filling Good in Maidenhead. So mm-hmm. that's on Maidenhead High Street. Um, and you've also got Seed One in Marlow, so yes, very, very close to here. Yeah. And they are both excellent, excellent stores, and they have such lovely products. And one of the reasons I love volunteering there is that when you walk through the door, the smell is just lovely of all the herbs and, you know, the spices. Is and that the, the predominant smell? It's just, and the soaps and things mm. like that. Um, so it's such a nice environment. But I mean, basically, you take along your containers, so your empty washed out containers, and then you weigh, you weigh your container when you get there. Um, so you've got the weight of the container, then you fill it up from the dispensers. Um, a lot of them are gravity wall dispensers. And, and there are people on hand, if you haven't done it before, you know, please don't be afraid, go in and ask everybody who works there is lovely. You fill up um, with as much or as little as you want. Then your container is reweighed, so you are just paying for um, the weight of the contents. That's brilliant because how many times do we want maybe to make a new recipe and we need a small amount yeah. of a spice or a herb that we know we haven't got mm. in our spice rack mm. or a herb rack? And we go out and we buy the whole, yeah. you know, jar of it and it just sits there. And that's when it sits and it, you know, ends up being poured away because people just don't use it. So absolutely, you can go out and you can buy the exact small amount that you mm. need. And the other thing I've noticed when I've gone into our local one, seed one here, or oh, there's a mobile one which goes mm. around as well. Absolutely. Um, which I can't remember the name of. But anyway, it goes around. It's at Meter Market on a Friday I think it's well. the Refill Hub. The Refill Hub, yeah. that's the one. Yeah, spot on. One thing I've noticed is that there's they're also making your life a bit easier in some ways because there's like soup mixes, aren't there? There's like pulses that have been mixed together ready for a soup, as a soup base. Um, you know, then you just need to go out and buy your vegetables and, you know, your aromatics yeah. Yeah. and you've got a really nutrient-dense soup. Mm. 
I love that all of that's just made that bit easier. Absolutely. And, and people you can talk to, you know, people who are using these products themselves. And, and get some advice yeah. from as to how to use yeah, them. Yeah, or how to cook them if you're not sure with the, you know, the pulses and things like that. Yeah. And it's also Definitely. where I tend to go for, like, when I'm doing workshops, if I need a particular ingredient, I'm not going to need a whole load of it. Particularly mm. things like um, freeze-dried fruits, because mm. they don't last very long and you want to use them pretty quickly. So you go there, pick them up, use them, and jobs are good and you don't really want to have those hanging around in your cupboard because they'll all clump together absolutely Uh, they're really really useful aren't they Mm. so you mentioned something just a moment ago about um working online with people now how does that work okay well um (laughs) quite fortuitously this is something that I started um not long after I set up my business so I set up my business in 2018 mm-hmm. um, and within that first year, so prior to the whole COVID lockdown scenario, I started working with people online, coaching them through their decluttering and organising projects. So you preempted this uh, yeah. great pandemic that was uh, coming. <laughs> thought, I know, I know what I'll do. <laughs> and it was really just because people said to me, oh, Joe, you know, I'd love, uh, love you to help me with my house, but I just don't live anywhere near you. Yeah. So I started to think then about how I could make it work. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, o- online. So I started trialing that. And it was really, really successful. And I think it was because, you know, in the same way, I can give the same support, the same accountability, the same ideas. You know, all people are missing is my physical kind of hands on. Yeah. But then um, if you can advise them, they can actually, I always believe that in doing something, you're more likely to keep it that way. Yeah. You know, if you had a part in, you know, you're more likely to keep it absolutely and start that you know it's a really good way of of starting those habits and continuing them yeah so I call um, I call it my eyes on your room and it really is that you know people send me the photos um, in advance and then we have the online time and they can split that up into you know if they want to do two half an hour sessions or uh, split it into 20 minutes go away and do something or you know we have a chat they go away they work on it for a day and then we come back another time and and um, and and can't continue with it yeah um, so it's it's talking to them about the process of tackling it, mm-hmm. but also giving them the ideas that they may not have thought of. Because, you know, we live with things on a day-to-day basis. We just don't see how it could be done differently. Yeah, of course. Um, so it's giving them those ideas for a different layout or different storage. And so do you give people almost like when you've been in and sort of <laughs> done the job as such, do you give people a toolkit a way of moving forward so that they don't then revert to the old habits. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So um, sometimes I work with people on more than one room, but always between sessions, you know, I set them things to do in between, you know, things to continue. Mm-hmm. And some for some people, all they need is one session Yeah, because that gives them the process. It gives them the kind of motivation to start you know, to get on with it. And once they've done one area, they can then take that and run with it and do other areas of their house. For other people, they say, okay, I'm going to carry on a bit, but then I'd like you to come back again. Or, you know, we can do that um, without me physically going there. We can just catch up on, on online after I've been there initially. But yeah, people are definitely going to have all the tools they need to then replicate in all the different areas of their house. And you know get those habits set up so that it's not going to happen again yeah I I guess that's the thing isn't it it's like you you know with anything if you keep on just checking in Mm. and making sure that you're continuing to follow you know that kind of toolkit Mm. that the 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 advice that you've been given Mm. 
But I guess the other complexity with that is if you've got multiple family members, you need everyone to buy into it, don't you? You do, absolutely. And of course, um, you know, they're not always bought into it Mm. initially. Yeah. But what I see happen sort of time, time again, is that I will work with one member of the household. And then when the other people in the house see what difference it's making, Mm. not just to the way they live as a family and and the way things are easier, but they see what a difference it's making to maybe their mother Mm. who's suddenly not stressed who maybe has a bit more time to actually play with them or help them with their homework yeah because the day-to-day living is so much easier you've just lifted a weight off people's shoulders so I have to ask you and obviously you're available online so do you work with people abroad as well um yep Obviously online, I don't I don't go physically to their yeah, houses. Well, nice. That would be nice. It would be nice. It would be nice, but not very time efficient. No. So yes, I work with people all over the place. So it's interesting. And obviously you've lived all over the place as well. Mm. I'd love to know like your perspective on British kitchens versus other cultures. Do you find they vary? Um, I think that as a nation, we do have a tendency, well... I think compared to other Europeans, we do have a tendency to try and squash as much into our spaces as possible. And therefore, um, I lived in Austria and I think that even though people don't live in big spaces, they tend to have things a bit more organised. Mm-hmm. Um, they are. Why does that not surprise me? <laughs> yeah, a bit more, bit more discipline when it comes to the clutter. Mm. However, if you look at people in the United States on the other extreme, um, they tend to live in bigger spaces mm-hmm. and they tend to fill them. Yeah, so it doesn't really matter how much space you have, no. you'll still fill it yeah. in certain cultures. Yeah, I yeah. mean, huge generalisations, but just, yeah. uh, you know, a, a general observation. I think you're right there. We compare ourselves, don't we? We see all these beautiful, almost like show kitchens online, and we've mm. got to be realistic about what is achievable. Mm. But still, I think there's definitely scope to be mm. less cluttered. I mean, in kitchens really easily become cluttered. I know that I almost live in my kitchen. So, um, yeah, because they get used all the time don't they in most households and more often in in ours but what's the most obvious tip you can give to provide to stop a a kitchen becoming cluttered for people I think um pay attention to the end of the day you know Mm. really try and return things to where they belong um particularly if that's things that actually you know don't live in the kitchen have a bit of a sweep round gather the things up and move them on but I think my other tip would be for the female of the house, don't feel as though you have to do it all on your own. Yeah. You know, do get other uh, family members to play their part. Do encourage them to fill the dishwasher and unload the dishwasher. Um, And I think there you need to be careful. And again, probably thinking about the cooking as well. If you're going to encourage family members to do these tasks, you may have to relax a little bit on the way you want them done. Yeah. Um, Because it's so easy to put people off, isn't it? If you're always saying, oh, actually, you know, don't fill the dishwasher like that, or why are you putting that over there? Um, (laughs) You know, they're soon going to lose interest. So I think it's, you know, set the expectations, Mm. get them to help, but kind of go easy on them if they don't do it in exactly the right way. Yeah, I think it's it's going to be a a process, isn't it, to to get to where you ultimately want to get to. Um, So you talked a little bit about, um, you know, the fact you were already online, but how did the pandemic affect your work uh, and your business? Yeah, I mean, obviously it did a lot because I couldn't suddenly, you know, I couldn't go into people's homes. 
Um, so that was completely wiped out. So I did have to focus on the online working. But I mean, to be honest, that was no bad thing because I would say that up to that point, I probably hadn't had the time to put as much effort into that side of things. Mm. And yet I knew that it was a great way of working. So it actually gave me the opportunity um, to explore and to develop that a bit yeah. better. So at the very start of the pandemic, I mean, were, were you just all set up for this or did you kind of almost like just wait for people to come up with it? Because suddenly people were spending so much time, mm. not in, just at home, but they were spending so much time in the kitchen. It was a big thing, wasn't it? Yeah. There were food shortages and yeah. people had really started to use those bread makers for the first yeah. time in a long time. So did you find that was almost like a curve of demand that kind of rose gradually as people thought, hold on, this isn't going to be just two weeks this yeah. is going to be much longer and this is probably going to become part of our lifestyle moving forward. Yeah, definitely. But I think that there were kind of two sides to it because, yes, on the one hand, people were at home and homes were definitely becoming more cluttered because of everybody being there. But it was only a certain type of person that actually had the time to be able to deal with that because, of course, all the people who were involved in homeschooling, yes. even though the mess and the clutter was building up, to actually find the time to you know, be online to actually do something about it mm -hmm. was quite difficult. It's a really good thing uh, to maybe address that. So, if someone's objection to or reason for not moving forward and, and, and working on this is that they are too busy, you know, the very when I asked you the question about who typically you would sort of attract, it would be busy people. So, mm. yeah, what would you say to someone that says? I'm just too busy. Yeah. I mean, it's it's worth making a priority. And I think now that, you know, we are out of that homeschooling situation, mm. um, it's worth making a priority because to actually have that reset makes everything so much easier going forward. And, you know, I have people who say to me, oh, now I can focus more on my work. I'm more creative. I'm more productive because I've done my house because yeah. I don't have to worry about that before because before it was always hanging around my neck. It was always there. I knew I had to deal with it. So I think during lockdown, you know, there were people who genuinely didn't have a spare moment. Yeah. Um, so much as it would have helped them hugely, it was really, really hard. But I think now people can find the time. And they're feeling the benefit of it. Do tell me some of your success stories. What, what have you, when you've worked with people and you've heard, get, got great feedback, what sort of things do they say? Well, it is, it's around that, it's, it's this weight being lifted. Mm. Um, weight being lifted and it's the increase in productivity. Yeah, um, so they have time to do other yeah, things. and people do. I mean, time and again, people say that it changes their life. Mm. And I think I probably didn't really imagine that. I knew it would make a big difference when I started out, but I didn't really imagine the number of people who'd be saying, oh, it's changed my life. It's completely changed the way I, I think about things. It's changed what I bring into my home. It's, it's, it's saved me money because I'm not buying as much anymore. Yeah, and not wasting um, as much. I yeah, think that's a huge benefit. Much, not buying as much. Mm. So all those kind of benefits. Yeah. Um, and I think going back to the whole lockdown thing. So whilst I did work with people online, it also gave me the time to develop um, my my first actual sort of standalone online product, yeah. which is my Chaos to Calm Kitchen Guide. 
Um, And that that. is a complete DIY for decluttering and organising. It's a complete DIY guide for decluttering and organising your kitchen. So during lockdown, and I'm not sure I would have found the time to do this before, Mm. but I um, recorded videos, I recorded audio um, and, you know, put together work uh, workbook type information and with the audio so people can actually put their headphones on and have me talking them through the whole project in their kitchen in their ears that's while they work through it so So they can sort of you know while they're working on a particular area they can sort of pause do what they need to do and then yeah or repeat it and also you know split it up if they can't manage to do it in a four-hour block that's fantastic. Uh, I didn't realise you'd done that. That's yeah. a really useful resource, isn't it? So is that available now? People can oh, still yeah, get hold of that? Oh, gosh, yes. Yeah. Yes, yes. That's, that's been available um, for over a year now. I think I launched it. Um, well, gosh, it's, I don't know. It's, I, I don't know. You know, <laughs> with lockdown, track. you just you do lose track, don't you? Um, I launched it in lockdown. Um, it is available. It's absolutely available. And also, once people have bought that, they have access to it forever. So, and, and that will be updated. Oh, fantastic! Uh, from time that's, to that's time. So, yeah, really, really useful. Very accessible. So, look, let's take a brief pause here, but also I uh, have a burning question I have to ask you, Joe, about spice drawers. But we'll be back in just a moment. Windsor, Windsor, Ascot, Ascot Maidenhead, Bracknell. Wokingham, Henley, Reading. The voice River Radio of the Thames Valley. So welcome back to this show. Let's do lunch with me, Jenny Tishy. And today I am joined by Joe Hall, who is a professional home organiser. Now, normally on this show, we're talking food, we're talking nutrition, and today we're talking kitchen organisation. Let's bring this whole subject together and make sure that kitchens are calm and tidy spaces. Now, Joe, as I say, is a professional organiser. So she is somebody that will come either into your home via the internet or she will come into your home physically, or she's got recordings um, as an online course that you can do chaos to calm so there's multiple ways that you can access her services but the overall objective and the overriding objective is to bring calm to your home with organization we're focusing more specifically on kitchens for obvious reasons as being a food show Uh, but joe on that subject i have to ask you at spice drawers where do you stand on the organization of spice drawers I'm a, I'm a big fan of Michael McIntyre and he does a fantastic sketch. Have you ever seen his sketch about five spices? Basically, the whole idea is that there are spices that get used and there are spices mm. that rarely get used. And some of them feel a little bit hurt and hard, hard done by because they're left at the back of the cupboard. They get turned away. Their dates are sometime back Long in the gone, 80s, yeah. probably. <laughs> um, and so where do you stand on spice drawers? How do we organise them? Do we need them? Should we have them? Should they be in alphabetical order? Is that too far? I'd love your thoughts. Okay. So I think definitely have them, yes. Um, it is good to have them all in one place where they can be accessed easily. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, alphabetical is a step too far. Okay. Now, you know, <laughs> as a naturally very tidy and organised person, there is some appeal to having them in alphabetical <laughs> order. However... Um, it's true to say that, well, if you, as you have already said, some of them get used far more than others. Mm. Um, so I would, in my personal spice cupboard, I organise them by herbs. I organise, you know, and I have a separate place for spices. So I keep those two definitions separate. Okay, so they, your spices and your herbs are kept uh, in separate are places. Kept so you can't... Same cupboard, Okay, but I have them in separate 
trays areas if you like, okay um, good separate containers so there's no possibility of confusion no so if i want the herbs i pull out the herbs if i want the spices i pull out the spices i can see what's there quite easily yeah um now the reason for not putting them in alphabetical order because i would love that myself is that i know that when my husband and my daughter cook there is no way it was the best one in the world that they are going to go back in alphabetical order <laughs> and so I think that again it's thinking about who else is using your kitchen yeah and what's going to be realistic and easy for them yes I I, I can understand that I mean there are people aren't there that do the same with their CDs and their mm. LPs because they've come back in that they will set them up yeah. in a very ordered fashion and uh, often an alphabetical fashion yeah. but um you're right everybody in the family's got to buy into this concept and that's not always going to be the case but you're also right I think to keep and I sort of think I do keep my herbs and spices separate but I am aware that I have in the past confused cumin for cinnamon and that's not great Uh, you know especially if you're using the cumin in a cake or something sweet and then finding yourself with a bit of cumin in it not so good I've done that with salt and sugar in somebody's tea oh wow okay I put salt in his tea nice (laughs) and did the guest tell you or did you find out later when you realized he told me that's nice you see that's very very un-british isn't it we were open and honest about that one i love it um so you work with people both online and offline and your clients therefore are based all over the world i know we talked a little bit about people managing their kitchens differently but um do you think that the brits typically do find themselves a little bit more kind of cluttered is that a sort of fairly easy assumption for us to make um i think but you know we're not the only um we're not the only culture that that's cluttered. Mm-hmm. We um, have a lot of memorabilia, though, don't we? We do like to keep yes, stuff. We are a little nation of hoarders definitely. to a degree. I think so. Yeah, I think that there is um, a lot of truth in the fact that people do do find it difficult to let things go. So, if we are in that mindset, because uh, you know people do tend to have things handed down from yeah. uh, generation to generation, and although we are more of a sort of transitory population than we ever used mm-hmm. to be, we're not quite as transitory as people would be in, say, America, for example. So when it comes to holding on to stuff or letting go of stuff what would you say is the process that people need to go through to make that final decision is there something you can help us with us hoarders well I think you know thinking of the kitchen it really comes back to is it being used Mm. um and you know I see so many people that keep things in their kitchen that get used once a year and and sometimes that is Christmas to be honest and that's their justification and that is their justification and I think you know fine if you really do have the space for it and you really do love that Mm -hmm. but it comes back to this thing about keeping things for best yeah you know should we not start thinking about actually using things on other occasions or not saving things for best yeah because you know let's face it how often does best really come you know how often do we have those occasions Mm. is it not better to use things and enjoy them yes even if it means using them a bit more of on 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 an everyday basis so almost we could go back and have a little look through our kitchens and say can I use this more often and if I can't Mm. that melon baller that's been sat in there for a long time I don't think I've ever used a melon baller in my life but it's still there not since I left my parents (laughs) (laughs) no absolutely and I think you know you've touched on a good one there um, are there gadgets in your kitchen that actually only have one use? Mm. You know, have a good look at those things that only have one uh, one purpose. Yeah. Um, some of those novelty items. They don't need to be there, do they? they? Just don't some of them get do, used. like the apple wedger. 
that's worth its weight in gold. You know, that for that that reason, having the apple wedger means that my eldest teenager eats apples on a daily basis mm. because, quite frankly, she doesn't want to be bothered eating. I mean, it's ridiculous, isn't it? Mm. But there we but are. Yeah. She eats the, yeah. the apples because she's got an apple wedger. Mm. All good. So, it, yeah, if it has a definite use and it is getting used, mm. then definitely. But if not, I mean, coming back to this, um, w- one thing about kitchens is they're actually a really good place to start practising the whole mm. decluttering process because generally we're not quite as emotionally attached to the items in our kitchen sometimes Ooh, that's but interesting not generally yeah so there's less emotional attachment mm. to kitchen stuff definitely okay i like that we have every reason to start there yeah. would you say it's one of the hardest rooms or would you say it's no, not say it's one of these because of that because of that mm, okay definitely. so although they're busy because of the not having the emotional yeah. kind of attachment we can get rid of things more easily yeah. brilliant okay so um tell me a little bit about i mean people i didn't know about your chaos to calm um the, the option to work with you on that on that basis as well um but i also uh, am somebody that does get your newsletter but if people wanted to sign up to that where can they so the best place to go is my website mm-hmm. um which is www.lessismore.online mm-hmm. um so they can hi- uh, sign up to my newsletter via that website otherwise i'm very active on instagram and I have an active Facebook um, decluttering club, which ah. is free to join. Everybody's welcome. Brilliant. So people post their own ideas on there? Or is yeah, it something it's that for you sharing t- ideas, support, yeah. but I'm, you know, active in there myself and I go in there and, and, you know, give people a weekly decluttering challenge. Ah, fantastic. Things like that. So how do people access that? So that is on Facebook. Yeah, so less is more. Um, so less is more home organising on Facebook and it's called Decluttering Club, less is more. Brilliant. Um, but basically if people head to my website, then they've got all the options that there to um you know find, access find, you yeah find access you, all these other track places. you down exactly <laughs> when they need exactly. some organization you know where yeah. to find um just one last one uh, on that front though instagram is it less is more am i right um it is less is more home organizing okay brilliant um what are you working on at the moment what am i working on at the moment um yeah i have got something new coming up um it won't be launched until september Ooh. um it so is intriguing. also online mm-hmm. um but yeah watch this space basically i will be giving more information about it between now and then but it's still in its kind of fledgling phase but i have lots of plans um there's so much scope for this Mm -hmm. um it is you know there are so many cluttered houses out there and what i want to provide is different ways for people to access my help um because you know one you know one kind of method doesn't fit all and i want to to make it easy for people Mm. um to to you know just chip away at it to to start um moving towards living in rooms they love so and to keep it that way as well Mm. i guess it's great you know to have you sweep through someone's home and change things for the better but they need then to be able to keep it. And I know we've talked about a toolkit and that's all very well to talk about, but mm. p- human beings are human for a reason, right? We don't always stick to things for various reasons, yeah. but it must be something that, you know, you have on your mind to make sure that then they keep it that yeah, way. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that's why I set up the decluttering club so that we can easily keep in touch. Yeah. Um, 
I blog monthly on a decluttering and organising topic. So again, you know, there's a resource there for people. Um, I'm also passionate about helping people find the best place to rehome things or donate things. Ah. Um, and I write, um, I, I update a blog annually and it's called Don't Let, Lo- Don't Let It Go to Waste. Yeah, that would be really interesting, actually, if you could just provide some ideas around that. So if you have got, I mean, let's say it's an appliance, you know, sometimes things with plugs, charity shops don't want. What would you say about where we can take things like that? Yeah, so some of the um, charity shops will. Mm -hmm. So again, it's, you know, it's knowing which charity shops. Um, So for example, uh, the Thames Hospice, um, the big shop on Reform Road in Maidenhead, they will take um, electrical appliances. Um, but another great one for that is um, local WhatsApp groups. Mm-hmm. So, for example, we have one for our street. Um, and, you know, things like that. If people no longer want their ice cream ma- maker, then they just put a quick message on there, you know, who, who wants to And then when they on. want an ice cream, they just go knock on the neighbour's yeah, door. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it works perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> is there anything else that you can recommend for people who are thinking they want to rehome things? They don't just want to get rid of it. I can't bring myself to throw certain things away. But I equally know I'm not using it. Where can I go? What avenues are there for, for people like me? Yeah, so um, again, Facebook Marketplace. Mm. Um, it's more difficult to sell electrical items on eBay, but Facebook Marketplace. Um, and I also think at the moment, you know, we have um, Ukrainians coming over and being rehomed in Maidenhead. Mm. And there are organisations that are keeping lists of mm-hmm. items that people, you know, both furniture and appliances ah, that okay. people might be willing to donate. Are you sharing um, those via your social media? At the yes, yeah, again, brilliant. in my decluttering club, um, there is a group, um, Maidenhead for Ukraine, for example. But I know that there's so much going on in all the different local areas. Right. So, you know, by just making some inquiries in those kind of places, Mm-hmm. Um, you should be able to rehome things quite easily. And what about food that people don't need anymore? If it's got a long life on it, if it's, um, you know, sort of canned food or whatever, what yeah, can people do with that? Unopened things, obviously you can go to food banks. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, if you buy something and you think it's for a recipe, mm-hmm. but you never get around to re- making that recipe or you buy six cans of something because they're on special offer, but your, you know, your kids decide they hate whatever <laughs> it is, yeah. then do, do pass those on to the local food banks because they are always, always, you know, after. After, after things like that brilliant that's so so helpful right okay we're going to move on to our quick fire questions we've not that long left but long enough for you to be put on the spot and answer, okay. <laughs> answer. Okay. Uh, what would be your death row meal your last meal on earth okay so um for the last couple of years we have been vegetarian oh, wow. um so it would be a vegetarian meal mm-hmm. um and my absolute favorite is mushroom stroganoff oh mushroom yeah. stroganoff followed by trifle now i know that came up on your last um, podcast so a bit of a theme going on but i absolutely adore trifle there's nothing do you know it's funny because um trifle was one of the dishes that was a winner at the uh the great british menu recently um and it was the dessert and it was won by the guy from northern ireland Mm. and the only time i've ever had trifle is was made by my northern irish um mother-in-law so i always associate it's it's one of those things that keeps on coming Uh, up in my life it's maybe something i need to address Mm. i mean i mean i don't eat it often because obviously it's one of those things you can't eat it often (laughs) no i mean there's so much in it but I always make a Boxing Day trifle. Oh, do you? And then quite often a New Year trifle as well. <laughs> Just for good measure. Twice yeah, in one week. I absolutely love it. But it is quite funny because as a child, I didn't like fresh cream. Mm. Didn't eat fresh cream at all. Oh, funny. But I've definitely got a taste for it in later life. Things do change, mm. don't they? Yes, I definitely did too. I didn't like anything kind of fatty when I was younger. But the things definitely have changed. Um, who was your favourite chef? 
Um, so my favourite chef, and I'm not actually basing this on the food itself and the taste of the food, um, but Heston really inspires me oh, yeah. because I love how creative he is. And you're very kind of, visual, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, so. and it really captures my imagination. And this kind of idea of having things that look different to they taste, it just... <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of mind-boggling, but but I, I like that. It is, it is. It's a really fun concept. There's lots of TV programmes on the same concept at the moment, yeah. which are like, wow. Mm. Um, okay, where would you like to eat that you've not eaten yet? Um, again, oh, strangely, and I feel really bad because I am a real foodie. I love my food, and it's one of the highlights of going to new cities. Mm-hmm. Um, as a family, we always seek out the interesting places to eat. Um, but again, it's from a visual perspective. And I don't know what it's called, but I've seen, and I'm following it on Instagram, there's a restaurant, and I think it might be in Finland or Norway, uh, that mm. it, it's a beautifully um, designed restaurant, but you also go downstairs to eat, and you are actually going into the sea. Oh, wow. So I don't know whether you've heard of that, no. but it looks amazing. That does sound And I really amazing. like Scandinavia, so it's another reason to, yeah. uh, to go there. A great cuisine as well. Mm. I had, um, do you know Minna Wood? On, oh, yeah. Yeah, so she came on and we, at Christmas time. We were talking about um, some of her sort of childhood Christmas uh, oh, memories lovely. and that was really fascinating talking about the amount of fish that she would have eaten oh. and then coming to an, another island and not having access to as much mm. fish so anyway uh your fantasy dinner party if you were to invite four people or characters who would you invite okay. and why yeah i haven't actually thought of of um of four um because i couldn't remember i know that we, we you know we talk about this from time to time as a family and i was trying to wrap my brains and, and think about who the other two might be um but two for me would be boy george Ooh. and anthony bourdain yeah choices and why why those two so boy george um i've always kind of been fascinated by by him um since i was a teenager Mm -hmm. and i was kind of into the music of culture club yeah um and i just thought he was a really really interesting person um and i always enjoyed hearing him talk i thought he's great fun um i'm sure it wouldn't be dull with him there oh no And what about Anthony Bourdain? I mean, again, it wouldn't be dull, would it? No, it wouldn't be dull. Um, and again, as as a chef and as a writer, I've always been interested um, by him, you know, ever since he first um, published his first book, Kitchen Com- Confidential, mm-hmm. which I really enjoyed reading. But... Um, since then, I've absolutely loved watching his um, TV programs, yeah. um, Parts Unknown. Mm. And I think for me, again, it's not just the food, although that's a fascinating aspect of it when he visits the various countries. But I think that he played such a role in um, kind of increasing people's understandings of cultures, of mm-hmm. countries, um, and more than that, of what was really going on within countries. You know, he really got to um, talk to the people and I guess you know it comes back to food being a great kind of um, thing for sharing for connecting people for encouraging people to talk and come together and you know he provided such an insight into some of these countries and I never tire of watching those programs wow oh that's wonderful really wonderful I love that I love that food is such a connector there's a whole podcast about it (laughs) brilliant Joe Hall from Less Is More thank you so much for your time today I have got two pages of notes, um, so <laughs> that's been a, that's a good sign. Uh, lots of things that I'm going to go home and look at my kitchen and think, oh, now I need to have a little think about that. I think <laughs> I probably don't need to be keeping that melon baller for one. Um, and do you know what? If people want to know more, please go and check out what Jo does. She is an absolute expert in her field. You will learn so much, even if you just join 
the Facebook group and start just observing, which is a good place to start, I think. And then just think about, you know, your own environment. Is there something that you can do, you know, to give you more pleasure for the environment that you're spending time in? Or is there something you can do to create less of a strain on you from the environment that you're in? Uh, All of those things are definite benefits. And look, saving money, uh, wasting less food, all things that we would love all of us to achieve. So if you found today uh, interesting, please do share this podcast with friends. Do leave a review. Uh, Five stars is always a lovely review to have left. Um, And you can access this not just obviously live as you are perhaps listening right now, but also you can access it via Google, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you very much, everybody, for listening. Uh, My name is Jenny Tishi. This is Let's Do Lunch, and I'll be back with you next week. Take care. Bye-bye. Maidenhead, Maidenhead. Bracknell, Bracknell. Wokingham, Wokingham.